0: Welcome to the Learn podcast. I'm your host, Francis Tampon. In this episode, I have again, Nate Tsurushkovic. He is a war analyst who's based in Slovenia. He has been following the conflict in Russia and many other wars very closely. He's one of those nerds that likes to do this kind of stuff. He gave a contrarian prediction the last time I interviewed him, which was just less than one month into the war. And in the end, almost all his predictions came out to be quite accurate. So I had to talk to him again. And once again, he makes some, what I think are some crazy predictions about where this war is going to go. I'm not 100% convinced that he's right. I'm quite skeptical, as you'll hear, but I got to respect his track record. So far, he's been remarkably accurate. This podcast is sponsored by my patrons at patreon.com slash ftapon. Go there to get $300 worth of annual gifts of almost anything you want on Amazon. That's right. It's just 25 bucks a month. It's a total win-win. And if you have feedback on this episode, go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Nate Trushkovic from Slovenia, and we're going to discuss Ukraine. How are you, Nate?
1: I'm fine, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm terrible, but that's not important. I want to know how are Ukrainians doing? We talked one month after the Ukraine war set off and you just two weeks into the war made this very, very bold prediction. You said that, Mm -hmm. you know, Russia was going to go down the tubes effectively and that there's going to, they weren't going to be able to penetrate from the north and go straight to Kyiv. You said that that was kind of a a no-win situation. And you also said that Mm. their only hope is to retreat and go to the east. And you said this when, at that time, the battle was going on on several fronts. And you were actually quite
1: right. Yeah, the battle for Kiev was at that time still raging. If you remember, this was the time when the Western media was still, you know, um, uh, putting out dramatic uh, articles and news reports about how uh, Kiev will fall any hour now, any day now. Um, how the just the final Russian assault needs to happen, and then the Kiev will fall. And this was just a uh, total misjudgment on the part of uh, just popular media, which uh, totally had no clue what was really going on. There. Right.
0: And you also predicted yeah. that their only hope was to kind of regroup and go from the East. And that's exactly what they eventually did. Yeah, And so far, as of yeah. today, which is uh, the 6th of July, of 2022 it looks like that strategy has been actually working is that your assessment too
1: so if you're saying the strategy about russians redeploying to the east and then concentrating their forces there, overwhelming the ukrainian defenses yes but not in the way you probably think uh, because uh russia has basically managed to do just incremental gains area gains for as much uh, material and men uh, personnel they have lost there they have accomplished very very little Uh, so basically what this means is ukraine is winning and russia is losing terribly Um, why is ukraine winning if it's losing ground because ukraine is winning by uh, getting losses uh, making uh, making losses on the russian side russia is really really limited with their personnel because they haven't uh, uh, putin hasn't acknowledged that this is a real war so he's He's making this uh, special operation, which means he cannot mobilize the whole of Russia. And so he started with around 200,000 uh, soldiers. His uh, nose got bleeded really, really bad uh, around Kiev in the north. He had to, to retreat. And then he immediately repositioned troops in the east while they were still quite tired. They hadn't had the time to really rest. So he pushed uh, underplanned troops back in the fright and um the whole uh, the whole plan was really not well organized it was just you know okay we have to show something we have to make a success so let's push here didn't work there let's push there didn't work there so they were pushing on all different sides in the east and maybe also choosing uh, paths which were bound to fail i mean such tactical and strategic um, mistakes were made by the Russian side that it's almost unbelievable. But this is Russia. Um, they, they, If they don't succeed the first time, they will repeat it like the, I said the last time. They will throw men and uh, soldiers there again, 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 again. And by doing so, they had huge losses. So the last time we talked, I think they had around 16,000, 17,000 Losses, Uh, now we are talking about 35,000 losses. There are three clans uh, in Russia. One clan is FSB clan, which belongs to the Putin clan. And now this guy is basically starting to make the shots. Just today, I think, or yesterday, he proclaimed that Lugansk is not going to be the end. Uh, Again, the goal is to conquer the whole of um, Ukraine, to denazify it, to demilitarize it. And this is totally... um, unrealizable for Russia because they are totally beaten at the moment. They cannot... The gains. The small gains that they are making is by really bleeding a lot. Um, so the little strategy that started to work kind of for them is really amass a lot of artillery in one place, bomb the hell out of the where defenders are, and then try to send uh, probing attacks, you know, if the, the video attack is uh, repelled, If Ukrainians beat the attack, then they start bombing again and again and again. And there is a huge disparity with artillery count uh, uh, on Ukrainian side and on the Russian side. So Ukrainians weren't able to really answer uh, with the same strength as the Russians did. Um, And there's also a kind of a disparity between how they fight with artillery. Russia just, you know, shoots in general area while Ukraine is sniping Russian positions. Why? Because it has much smaller amount of guns and the ammo is much more limited than with the Russian side. So they, they adopted and started to really um, try to snipe their positions, their um, vehicle, park vehicles and so on. Uh, they started to really um, ramp up uh, the destruction of Russian uh, dumps, uh, so the Russian um, ammo uh, dumps. And this was really go This is really doing a very meticulous job because Russia needs uh, ammo quite close to the to where the fight is going on because they have a really small amount of trucks available to put those ammo to do, to to the soldiers to bring it to the soldiers on the front. So they need to have uh, those dumps somewhere close to the railway stations. They put those uh, ammunition down. It has to be quite close to where the front is. And then they have enough trucks to really disseminate this ammo uh, with their um, army. But what is happening now? These um, ammo dumps are starting to blow up one after another. Why? Because Ukraine acquired long-range uh, weapon systems from the West, which are doing a great job now with you know, sniping this very important um, points uh logistical points um M-Adam points and are wreaking havoc with uh, russian uh, russian army so uh how far how long russia can continue doing this i mean i was personally quite surprised that i was not surprised that the north as i said collapsed like i predicted the north collapsed completely um i said that around kharkov uh, kharkiv um the the russians uh will maybe have a little more, a little bit more success, but I, I think I was wrong in predicting that uh, sooner or later Kharkiv will fall also from Russians. They were almost pushed to pushed to the border, and then they regained um, some land there. Um, so I was wrong with that, um, and I also said I think that I would be quite surprised if the Western Front would uh, basically become a frozen a frozen uh, conflict. Um, it still is. It could still be. But by the way, the way uh, Russia is doing now, I would again be really surprised if the conflict uh, would be frozen and the area would remain the way it is. So, like a static position, wa- positional warfare, like it has been going on for a month now in Severodonetsk and uh, Lisichansk. Um, I would really be surprised because Russia, Russia really was scrapping the bottom of the barrel uh, for all the extra personnel they were trying to get. So they were already very low on personnel, on um, on people who could fill in the gaps. They then um, made some quite nice tricks by um, uh, trying to bring people from all over Russia Russia, to give them nice sums of money. So they managed to bring in lots of uh, my, Russian minorities, um, like the Buriat, uh, Buriats and uh, other minorities. And if you see the... Um, the percentage of how many um minorities uh were how much ma- how many soldiers from those minorities were killed uh versus the Russian soldiers were killed, there's a huge disparity. So basically, Russian soldiers at the moment are um are a bit more in the background manning the artillery while the uh the Russian minorities are put forward. And uh, another trick is also um the Lugansk and Donetsk uh, People's Republic's uh, soldiers are basically used as cannon fodder. They are the ones who are testing, you know, if uh, the positions have been uh, sufficiently destroyed uh, with artillery bombardment or not. So they get just decimated. And uh, the current estimate is that 55% of the whole um, those two republics' um, uh, military personnel has been either killed uh, and or maimed so imagine this 55 percent of all the personnel from these two republics uh is basically uh out of out of action
0: stalin if i remember correctly correct me if i'm wrong that he basically purged most of his generals because he was kind of afraid and so he had it was right before world war ii i think was when he he did his big purge and so he didn't have any competent generals when the war started so it, it World War II started off on a really yeah. bad foot, but eventually the great Russian yeah. bear got its act together. Will the same thing happen this time? Because obviously Russia got yeah. off on a bad foot. Can they turn their story around?
1: So it's a bit different from then because now the Russia started with uh, the usual generals that they had in stock. There were no purges before they started the war. And then it was apparent that these generals are totally um, uh, crappy, You know, really not doing their job really well. Um, So the purge started as the war was going. Um, Many, many of the uh, high-ranking generals and uh, the ones uh, leading the the war were purged, were changed up with other uh, guys. And it's one really uh, funny event when there was this guy who was fighting in Afghanistan. He was retired, really um, keen on vodka. He basically drinks one liter of vodka a day. Uh, it is reported and he was then put in charge of a special military military um par, uh, special military of russia <laughs> huge guy very fat one you know they had to uh, create a whole new uniform from him <laughs> and uh, uh they were not able to put any um stock um, um uh, body uh, body protection on him so they had to uh, combine two. <laughs> to, the two to be able to to you know protect him <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny so what this tells us is that Rus- russia is really really you know struggling with their generals with their personnel not to say that amazing number of uh, the the one, uh, colonels and uh lieutenants and generals were killed in ukraine which is unprecedented really huge amount mm-hmm. so the ones who were semi uh semi kind of capable of leading the army were killed off the ones who were then brought in are not really good, not to say that even the ones before were not really good so it um it showed up it showed that it's really really <laughs> a hard uh, hard thing for russia to overcome. I don't think they can overcome it what happened in in second world war was russia was not many people in the west know this and even less in uh, in russia Russia was really hardly backed up uh, was very hard backed up by the West by Western Allies by giving them lots of trucks lots of locomotives lots of ammo lots of um, tanks different weapon systems and you know um, um, a tool, a tooling systems so they could build up uh, um, industries in other parts of Russia which were not occupied and then start ramping their production Russia would be basically pushed over the Urals by Germany if if not for this allied support what is happening is now is that russia has no support it is totally isolated from the whole of world even china has turned away because i would say if um russia would be successful in their uh, undergoing in ukraine from the get go then china would probably you know be more keen in helping them out with everything but now even china is not willing to help them and um, because for China, it's more lucrative to remain business uh, with the West and the whole globe actually than uh, help with Russia, which is there's just a small percentage of trade for them. So in Russia, you know, uh, having basically the same type of autocratic system, you could say a fasc- fascist, uh, fascist system like uh, similar to Russia is uh, turning away from uh from Russia, which uh, is basically really making it uh, much more harder for Putin.
0: Your predictions were pretty spot on. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Mm -hmm. was not spot on so far is that Putin would Mm -hmm. be taken. There would be a coup d'etat that he would be Ah, taken out. And so do you still believe that's going to happen? Okay.
1: Yeah, good point. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And now the signs are even uh, more stronger for that um what at the be- when we were talking the last time the nationalists and the imperialists these are the two uh, other factions uh in Russia those so the so-called clans um which are organized uh, uh, uh and they are not cooperating with each other there's a internal tension between them and of course the FSB clan which is a direct uh, connection with Putin um there's also always been some um meddling and tensions between them. But now it's really getting very heated. Uh, all the patriots, all the nationalists, which uh, didn't dare to speak against Putin, are accusing him of basically uh, screwing this war, that it was his fault. So they they still don't recognize that, no, it was not just Putin's fault, It the whole system, you know, the army was so corrupt, it couldn't really, you know... Um, make it up uh, for uh, for the deficiencies but of course Putin started it and he should have been better informed that there's no way he can do this because if you remember USA was informed before it happened quite uh, quite a lot informed of what is going to happen they knew what the russian plan was um where the main trust uh, russian trust will uh, military trust will happen so um it was basically Putin should have called it off by then but he didn't he he went on regardless with it, with the with the war and uh, he, at that time the moment he decided he lost the war already because there was no way he could win it um the way the army uh, was set up uh, the way um no everything works in russia he would have to be he would have to mobilize the whole of russia then he would ha- maybe have uh, some chances of winning there but uh, since so many months have passed and still he hasn't mobilized it although the war has went so bad for him it means only one he's really really afraid to do so because if he uh, proclaims a uh, general mobilization he will be immediately deposed he cannot withstand the pressure even now before doing him doing the uh, the general mobilization uh his um, his um, his chair is already very shaky
0: Can the Duma or one of the part the parliament there that they actually said mm-hmm. that they're going to try to mobilize part of the economy to produce more weapons
1: Yeah just recently just recently he uh, he proclaimed that uh but the thing is that you have to mobilize for war before the war starts. Because when you mobilize your economy, it takes a lot of time when you get on a war footing, really proper role footing. And not to say he's lacking all the proper, um, more more high-tech elements, gadgets that he's not getting anymore from the West. So, you know, for him, in order to be able to... um, to establish, like last I said last, uh, said last time, to establish like, a war economy uh, where um, high-tech uh, material can be produced, takes years. And it would really be hard for him to pull off because the whole of Russian society is basically not m- very uh, modernized. It's not very in- um, inventive ever since uh, Soviet Union uh, f- fell apart. It's just not as inventive as it was before. And uh basically what they were doing it was just they, they they uh were scavenging the military uh equipment that was available from the Soviet times, upgrading it to a degree, made a few advancements here and there, but because you know this high-tech modern stuff is so expensive, and because the kleptocracy was so Relevant, they weren't able to even produce Armata 14 tanks, which they were sure they will produce in huge amounts. Um, and uh, their uh, r- modern rockets basically are very, very low in stock. What Russia is very good in is with PR stunts. They would create so- like a supersonic rocket and then they would, you know, put, um, uh, make the, the Western uh, media be in, in shock and a. Of like, wow, amazing what Russia did. Russia did. We don't have any protection for that. We are screwed. And so this was basically playing uh, on what Russia wanted to do. So they were acting more powerful all, all this time than they actually were. In this war, it it was quite clear from the get-go that they're just um paper tiger. Um and they are not global global force at all. They are even reg- not even regional force anymore. And this is why I'm predicting the 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 problem will start in Central Asia now, because the the vacuum will happen. Because when Russia will not be able to tend to those regions anymore, um, uh, there Central Asia is like the the Balkans. There are many different ethnicities there. You have a dictator which supports one ethnicity and then the other ethnicity is usually pushed a bit aside. Uh, you know, it's um, um, there are tensions which they can now spark up because those dictators cannot turn to Russia like they could before. You know, Russia would then send special military uh, military forces there. Um, you know, take care of the dissidents, of the uh, riots, and then, you know, things would get, be back to normal. But now Russia cannot do this anymore. You're talking about
0: the Central Asian countries like Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan and all those towns?
1: Exactly, okay. exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay,
0: so yeah. what do you predict then, Nate's, the way things are going to go. You give Putin how many more months in office or how many more years? Because here's the thing is, I think that maybe his strategy is mm-hmm. just to kind of hold the line and take Donetsk, at mm-hmm. least hold the line there so the battlefront doesn't matter. We're in a stalemate for mm-hmm. months. And during that time, ramp up production mm-hmm. and get a, you know get his, his butt going again. Why can't
1: that happen? This would be really hard, really, really hard for Russia to pull off. First, now... The, now that they have um, uh, conquered uh, Severodonetsk, Lysychansk, they have now bumped into a huge fortress of the Ukrainian defenses. And their artillery will not be able to help them now. Because if you want to take those huge towns, you need a lot, a lot of military personnel. Because you can bomb the towns but you then need to send guys in and Russia at the moment does not have the capability if somehow putin would be able to pull off general mobilization then we can you know speak okay so that's the, the key you think that they need, they have not.
0: about 140 million people in their country roughly maybe it's 130 i don't know yeah, yeah so let's just say 140 million
1: so if he pulls the mobilization yeah if he pulls the general mobilization and remains on the position uh, on his seat, so he's not the post. Then it's possible, but this is really, really, this would be really, really hard. Mm. Because if he hasn't done the mobi- uh, general mobilization since the beginning, what's different now? It's even more hard to pull it off because now the two, the three clans. Are against Why do
0: you think that Putin decided to do this? I mean, he seemed to be so shrewd before. And now I was just imagining, okay, let's just think the best case scenario. The best say well, the best case scenario for Putin is that he conquers the entire country of Ukraine. But let's just think more realistically, that he just yeah. solidifies the East and he basically grabs the East, he grabs it all the way out to Mariupol, mm-hmm. and so he has cut them off mm-hmm. almost Maybe he'll leave Odessa so he doesn't completely cut him off. Basically what he has now, he kind of consolidates and grabs and then, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. but then he's going to have to spend billions and billions of dollars to reconstruct this whole territory that he just got he completely destroyed with all his bombs. It's just like, what a headache, yeah. <laughs> what a headache. And this is like the best case scenario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why
1: did he yeah. even do this? So, uh, <laughs> He's improvising all along. I mean, he something uh, he bumps into something and then he changes his strategy, his goal. But he's not so the kind of guy who goal, does this remember. kind
0: of stuff. I mean, all his life, for twenty plus years in power, at the top of Russia, and then before yeah. that, when he was in the KGB and in other yeah. lower positions, the guy was a yeah. very shrewd, calculating guy. He never fucked up ever.
1: Yeah, um, but he is getting older. He's going. He was probably getting paranoid with all this COVID stuff and him getting isolated. Also, um, there was a huge, um, a huge distance between uh, what reports he was getting and the real situation on the ground because all the FSB guys who were doing the uh, the reports, uh, you know, of how we russia can uh, take over ukraine were not really thinking that this is going actually to happen so they were writing reports this is quite clear now uh, that were basically okay if i make this report which shows the real situation on the ground basically ukraine, we cannot attack ukraine the guy above him in the fsb hierarchy would say no this is not good fix it and so the, the lower echelons were fixing the reports until it were very rosy, until they, those reports were very rosy and then they would pass on to Putin eventually. And so what Putin got was a totally unreal estimate of how the war will go. He wanted to repeat the 2014 events where special operations forces would go in, uh, Ukraine will be totally... Um, Uh, disorientated and, uh, you know, many people would back him up. Uh, The locals would back him up. And uh, then uh, the the government will be decapitated. Uh, Maybe Zelensky will um, escape out of Kiev for the fear of his life. But then everything turned out to be different the way they planned. And from that point on, they were just, you know, um, trying to um, not really strategize about things, but just, you know, trying to fix. From day to day, they were trying to fix things. Why it took them one month in front of Kiev when it was quite apparent, only in a few days already, that it was not possible to take Kiev. But they are they very stubborn. They were trying to, you know show something to try to this, try this attack, that, try that attack, but nothing worked. Well, it was quite apparent that, that this doesn't work. So it took them one month and huge amounts of casualties until they withdrew from the north. And then they tried in the eastern part, again, the same thing. And um, they again, people think, because especially because the Western media reports, oh, yes, the whole Lugansk has been conquered. But these are just a very small, Uh, increments of uh, area that were taken really um, strategically not important uh, amount of land was taken in the recent um, eastern offensive which lasted two months and caused huge casualties on the Russian side so of course okay they can say now the whole of Lugansk um, region is now Russian they will try to um, take the whole of Donetsk region um, in their uh, in their uh, under them but they will not be I, I predict that they will not be able to do this they will stop uh, where they are now and uh, again uh, they will probably collapse um, so there are different predictions, some say okay at the end of the summer uh, the eastern part uh, area where Russians are cannot hold on uh, the increasing amount of uh, modern uh, weapons which are delivered to Ukraine which are able to snipe very important uh, parts of, uh, of Russian front, of their logistical systems. Um, and when you take away the ability from Russia to be able to bomb the crap out of you, because you bomb their, you destroy their ammo depots, then Russia is in big trouble because they cannot really fight with their guys. Uh, they just have those um, artillery, artillery, huge amounts of artillery systems. And when you take that away from them, they will have to retreat.
0: Wow. So, you, give me your prediction. give me your rough timeline that you think you think it's going to be over uh, that they're going to start retreating by the winter.
1: Okay. So, a very daring prediction would be that uh, by the end of summer, um, the, the the Russian front will start to crack quite a lot, and then until the winter, they will be pushed away from uh, in Kherson region in so- in southern region where Zaporozhia is Zaporozhia and uh in uh, the area where um severodonetsk uh things will also be very very hard for russians very very hard okay so this is my prediction 80% uh, yeah let's say 80% okay. yeah and also if um i would be quite surprised if uh, putin remains in power uh for half more year half of
0: more you think he's going to leave by by 2023
1: even doesn't have to be assassinated he can be just you know okay he's uh because the w- the way this guy who is making the shots now public shots is acting is like okay leave this old guy he needs some rest you know so the FSBs can do this um, a bit more elegantly you know um they can give him a nice dash him in the background put in more, more. yeah
0: Okay, so you think that Putin will kind of lose a lot of authority by the beginning of 2023. Yep. I know none of these predictions mm-hmm. are hundred percent certain you're not hundred percent confident of these things sure. happening, so just give a number yeah. like a percentage yeah. that you think how confident you are that mm-hmm. uh, Putin will lose a lot of his power by uh, sometime in early 2023 yeah. Are you talking about sixty so percent chance
1: i'm 60, I'm sixty to 70, sixty to 70 percent chance of that happening, and um, I would say that there is uh, there are some chances also of Russia starting to go into internal uh, squabbling and um, you know all these clans which are already bickering uh, a lot at the moment might go into an open uh, in open hostilities mm-hmm. so you know Russia might enter civil war mm-hmm. in the, next On the
0: 100th anniversary of their civil war practically <laughs> it's, it's, Back, yeah. the, the one that yeah. brought Lenin to power. So,
1: and imagine what happens. Imagine what happens then. So uh, for the West, you, you have to really um, make a very good case to Russia that what it is doing is not sustainable and not okay. Because if Russia succeeds in uh, maintaining the ground that it managed to take now, uh, then Russia in a few years will repeat the same process after they get, you know, replenished and so on. Uh, so they will try to take some more land. Mm-hmm. This is this has always been the way Russia acts. Um, and if you manage to put Russia into a civil war, then you have a huge problem with nuclear arsenal because then you have these warlords, you know, uh, taking care of the nuclear arsenal, raiding the, the depo- depots, taking stuff for themselves and then it's a global problem really because there's no more um, organized uh, system around nuclear uh, arsenal is just chaos and you know to each his own and that would be really problematic so we are really now treading on a very thin line between having to make russia breed really hard in ukraine um, and preventing the russia to really collapse and start Okay,
0: so last thing is, what is the percentage chance that you think that the eastern province of Ukraine gets effectively annexed to Russia? So that is the stalemate, the peace treaty uh, goes that way. And so they keep yeah, Crimea so the, and they get, the, they get Crimea yeah, in the east.
1: Frozen, frozen linked. Yeah. So uh, what are the chances that the frozen conflict uh, will happen like uh, the last time from 2014 when things just didn't move anyway? Well, I wouldn't say it's a frozen happening.
0: conflict because they literally just won Crimea. I mean, I don't think it was like a stalemate. I mean, they just got it.
1: Oh, no. Uh, there was a frozen conflict between Ukraine and Russia since 2014. They were always fighting each other. Guys were... Oh, know, I see what you mean. You're talking about, but that was mainly in the east, yeah. and not
0: so much in yeah, Crimea. Yeah, Crimea was cemented. Yeah, yeah that's yes. what I mean. Crimea, Crimea was, was yeah, cemented.
1: Exactly. So, Crimea, Crimea will could get into Ukraine hands, but only if Russia enters civil war. When there is such huge chaos mm. that there is no central authority, to each his mm. own, you know, then Ukraine can go to Crimea and take it back. Mm. Uh, But I think chances for that are... Yeah,
0: they'll probably ask for independence and they want to be yet another republic in a country
1: by themselves. Do something stupid like that. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, interesting. Uh, While in the East, you know, the Donetsk Donetsk and Luhansk uh, regions, uh, I'm quite uh, sure that uh, Ukraine will be able to retake those areas. And then it will fall on Ukrainian shoulders to rebuild everything that was destroyed. Because, you know, Russians don't uh, really distinguish between, you know, areas. They just crap bump the hell out of everything and destroy the towns completely. 90% of infrastructure is destroyed. Right. And, you know, it will be also on the Western shoulders to put on like a Marshall plan to rebuild stuff. So huge opportunities for construction workers from the West (laughs) to go there after the war.
0: (laughs) That's why we (laughs) planned the whole thing. It wasn't Putin. It was the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) You always got it. You got You got to always blame everything on the United States. Um, great, Nate's. Thanks so much for the update. Yeah, I really sure. appreciate it. And uh, we've got the the summary. Eighty percent chance that you think a, a pretty bad defeat for Russia, including uh, a sixty five percent chance that that Putin will get out, and about a twenty percent chance that the best case scenario, yeah. well, not the best case, but uh, one of the better cases for Russia, which is twenty percent chance that they will actually solidify and cement yeah. control of the eastern region. Yeah,
1: and- yeah. And the conflict is then frozen until 10 years after when it still gets unfrozen and Russia tries to gain some more land.
0: Or, or Ukraine decides to have the balls to try to recapture their lost
1: land. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It could go either way. Yeah,
0: it's, Thank you again. And we'll have you back in a couple of months to see how things, how your predictions uh, fared. Yep. And that ends this episode of the Wonder Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F. Tappon. That's my first initial and my last name. F. is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com/slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn Podcast. Two, download it, three, share it, four, review it, and five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon, encouraging you to wander and learn.